1: The views and opinions expressed are those of the guest. Weatherby Asset Management is dedicated to providing exceptional wealth management services by forming partnerships built on trust, understanding, and thoughtful advice. For more than 20 years, they've been offering objective perspective, personalized planning, and sophisticated investment management to individual investors and families, as well as pension plans, foundations, and endowments. Contact them at www.weatherby.com. Weatherby Asset Management located
0: in San Francisco and New York City.
1: Can you Of Young Women Speak Out. Um, my name is Amina Dalhati and I will be your host. So we've reached the midpoint of Young Women Speak Out, a six-week program that is being hosted by the Sylvia Global Media Network. Um, the purpose of the show, as you know, for those of you that have been following over the past three weeks, is really to elevate the voices of young activists from around the world. Um, we wanted to be speaking to young African and Caribbean women. Um, about the work that they do both in their activist work but also on the work that they do on the side as well. Um, This week I'm really excited. I have a really exciting guest. Um, She is one of those women who I consider to be a wonder woman because she does a little bit of everything. So I'm really excited um, for her to tell you a little bit more about what she does. Before that, um, just two things, as always, to remind everyone First, the show is streaming live on the Sylvia Global website, so please share it with your friends, www.sylviaglobal.com. There's a little link at the side, and you can watch it live via YouTube. If you happen to miss the show or you would like to rebroadcast the show, share it with your friends later. There will be a podcast uploaded on Blog Talk Radio, um, and we will be sharing the link with that in the next week or so, so you can share it then. Um, as always, please stay engaged with the show. I love it when people tweet or send Facebook messages asking questions. Um, we want the conversation to be more than just the two of us that are hanging out here, but we want to be hanging out with everyone out there. So you can tweet questions to me at SheRocksLocks, S-H-E-R-O-X-L-O-X, using the hashtag Young Women Speak out. You can also post questions um, on the Facebook event or in the YouTube link in the comment section, and I will try my best to pick those up during the show. Um, and so we get started. This week, my guest is Nana Darkoya Sekiyama, and you, she's very active on Twitter, so please follow her um, and tweet her as the conversation is going on. Her Twitter handle is at NASNAS009. Um, And so, as I said in the intro, Nana is one of those kind of wonder women. She does a little bit of everything. I'll briefly read her introduction and then give her a chance to tell you more about herself. So, Nana currently manages the communications portfolio at the African Women's Development Fund. She's the co-owner of Maxi, a clothing and events organizing company in Accra, Ghana, Um, She also curates the Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Women, which is what we will be talking about today. Um, She's a highly acclaimed and widely read blogger, and in January 2013, this is what I mean, she's just that kind of woman, you know. In January 2013, Applause Magazine listed Nana as one of the 40 Inspirational Africans Under Forty. She's also um, featured in New African Women Magazine in a special feature titled Ones to Get to Know in 2013. So I'm telling you, we're really stepping ahead of the game and bringing you this amazing woman to talk to us today. Um, so Nana, I don't know if I've missed anything or if there's anything you'd like to add.
0: Amina, you've said so many wonderful things about me, so thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank am awesome. having me on the show. We're excited to be here.
1: Great. Well, my pleasure, and um, just to kind of get things going, as I said, I've, I've listed all of the many things that you are and you do. My first question is, um, if you had a soundtrack for your life at the moment, what four songs would be on that soundtrack? Whether it's a song or an artist, you know, what and why? What music wow. would be on the soundtrack of the, of Nana? <laughs>
0: Well, I like a lot of neo-soul music. Um, This morning, I was listening to Anthony Hamilton, Mm -hmm. and a song he has about collard greens and cornbread. (laughs) And you know, he was saying, you're eating well like you're preparing for tonight. Uh And of course, I had to read sexual innuendos and say, that's right. And I'm a woman who loves (laughs) her food. (laughs) So I definitely felt like, yeah, I can get that done with that. a song that I'm really liking at the moment is a song by Senna Dagadu featuring Mensa, who is I think probably my favorite Ghanaian musician. Mm-hmm. We've got a song called Extra Large. And for <laughs> me again it right. it's about that overflowing, right? Overflowing of bounty bountiful of goodness, of everything just going extra large. And I think uh-huh. I, I like the extra large kind of life. Just living life to the full. So that's another mm-hmm. song that I have been playing over and over again. I like a song by a uh, Ghanaian um, artist called Ifya, E-F-Y-A. I just got a song called Getaway, Away, and she thinks about just needing to get in your car and drive away and take a break. And I really believe in getaways and taking time off. So right now I'm actually off work. I took three days off, and I've had a bit of my own getaway. Mm-hmm. So that's another song. Who else am I loving? Um, I love Experianus poetry. I think she got a song called Poetry, mm-hmm. um, and and I love that as well. Just so much. I love, so much. I love well. the whole of Mansa's Number One Mango Street. That whole album is my soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I have awesome. given five. But yeah.
1: Well, I think that, that's that's really be great because five. one of the things, as you know, that I've been trying to do with the show is really um, introduce the listeners and the viewers to artists that they may not ordinarily encounter. So, I think you've given us a whole lot of you know, I will be googling ones that I haven't heard of, I don't know about. Although, you know, we have the same taste, so I'm I'm sure, you know, I feel like I know a lot of the ones that you mentioned. Um So, to get I think started, you, did. you in I know you very well and in all of the things that in all of the ways you describe yourself, you call yourself an African feminist, as do I. And so one of the things that I was curious to know is what that means to you. I feel like when we describe, when we talk about feminism, we all come to our feminism in a different way, um, and it means different
0: things to, to many of us. So what does being an African feminist mean to you? Being an African feminist means everything to me. It's kind of like my religion. Um, it gives me a framework <laughs> by which to live my life. Calling myself an African feminist is a way of bringing together probably two of the identities I cherish the most. That mm-hmm. of an African whose thoughts and visions and dreams are very much an Africanist, who still has visions of, you know, regional integration, and the feminist being a person who recognizes that we live in a world which has socially created systems and structures which work mm-hmm. to really keep women and you know, in and, and more or less a second-class status, mm-hmm. I recognize that, that oppression of women is linked to, basically, the oppressions of the less powerful people in society. Mm. You know, um, it's got to do with class, it's got to do with ability, it's got to do with sexuality. Mm-hmm. And I feel like being an African feminist really gives me that kind of total framework from which to operate in my world, from mm-hmm. which to understand the way the world is, and from which to figure out... How do I help in a small way to make the world a better place for myself, for my sisters, for my family? You know, and I think that's the great thing about African feminism—it's very communal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like as an African feminist, I have a place. I have a place somewhere. I have a place on the continent. I have a place amongst the community of women, amongst the community of sisters. Right. So how
1: did you come into that identity? Because you're clearly very, very passionate. You hold, you know, you hold it very. strong. You you hold it very passionately and strongly. So, how did you come into that identity? Is it something? I think, like a lot of
0: people, (laughs) I think there was a time when I was 19 where I read about feminism and I thought, "Aha! This makes sense. This describes how I felt since I was like a child." Since mm-hmm. I would, you know, and my mom hates this example. Sorry, mommy, I always have to give it. You know, since I would watch my mom make dinner for my dad and sort of complain about the fact that she is waiting for him to eat and has to sit by him to eat, you know, since my mom would always complain about me being the kind of child who would want to sit in her room and read and not come and help her in the kitchen. You know, since my mm-hmm. mom would always say things like, and she would say this in tree, you know, which translates as one day you let someone insult me because I, was, I had no interest in learning how to cook. And her concern, even when I was a child, was, oh, my God, you're going to be the kind of wife who would let her mother-in-law cast me out like I didn't bring my daughter right. So there were all these little things that used to irritate me as a child, and I had no language for it. I remember saying to my dad, that when I get married, I'm not going to cook for my husband because every day he would expect me to cook for him, so I'm not going to start for him to accept that. And my dad was like, yeah, sure, if that's what you want, fine, all right? But of course I didn't understand anything about what I now know to be patriarchal norms and you know, women's sort of societal given responsibility of being the caregivers of the household. and you know I didn't realize all of these things. So um, during university, when I was introduced to feminist theory, it just instantly made sense. And then years later along the line, because I started reading more or less, the family history of African-American women, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's what made sense to me at to the, the time. At the time, the I was in university in London. Exactly. I was in university in London. So it was Bell Hooks who changed my life. I'm sure she changed the life of a lot of black women um, in the Western world. Because as an African who had gone to university to study abroad, I was suddenly confronted with race, which mm-hmm. I wasn't aware of before. Maybe it's you know, maybe racial dynamics, dynamics existed in Ghana before I went, but I wasn't aware of it. So I go to mm. the U.K., and I'm now aware of all these other issues. And mm. she was the person I read who sort of managed to link all of these issues in a way that resonated with me. So when I came into feminism, I was reading a lot of African-American theorists, mm. Bell Hooks, Michelle Wallace, Alice Walker. And then, you know, as I so in my feminism, I wanted mm-hmm. to, of course, read African feminists, and mm-hmm. actually, I turned to novels. I was reading Ama Taidu. you know, I was reading Bukimacheta, even though I have, I sort of later saw a video where she said she saw a feminist, but <laughs> me, the media writings were very feminist, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's how you know I sort of got into it, and then started working at. I started volunteering at Akina Mamawa Africa, which is an African feminist organization in the UK. So then I got introduced to African feminists, and, you know, I did the African Women's Leadership Institute, and it's like, oh, wow, there's a whole world out there of African Mm -hmm. feminists who are active, who are writing, who are academics, you know. Read about Amina Mama, read some of her articles, you know, Sylvia Mm -hmm. Tamale, Jessica Horn. I mean, yes and that's how I sort of really got to also understand African feminism and sort of identify myself as an African feminist.
1: You know, you've done something that's really amazing. You've just answered a question that actually was coming through over Skype to me, and you just answered the question. Oh, wow. So thank you for doing that. Um, the question what was, was the, the question? i was curious. Well, the question was about, you know, you, you're talking about African feminism and African feminists. Who are some of the African feminists that inspired you or that you read that helped you to do Define your identity as an African feminist. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, let me add a few more to that list because there are a lot well, more I... now. Um, Basically, Adela Fami, mm-hmm. her her writings, her essays, what she's written, a lot of some some of which is available on the AWDF website for free. Um, a feminist theologian, Mercy Oduyoye. I found you know really what she says really touches me, especially as somebody who has not really very religious, I always feel Mm -hmm. if you know, Auntie Mercy had a church, I will be there every Sunday Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm.
0: because she analyzes religion and the Bible from a feminist point of view, which I don't Mm -hmm. really find when I go to the church Mm -hmm. Hakima Abbas Mm -hmm. everything Hakima says somehow just makes sense to me (laughs) you know, um, Sukari (laughs) there's so many people like there's so many people, and the great thing is For me, a lot of these people, their writings are very accessible because it's online. Mm -hmm. You can find Mm -hmm. it if you have an internet connection, or you can get somewhere and get an internet connection. Well, I'm going to take this moment, actually, actually, since since you've taken it
1: there, I'm going to take this moment to really plug um, our community of African feminists that are engaged on Twitter. We talk to each other, you know, regularly. We debate. We... Disagree, we agree, we share, yeah. what, you know what Jessica Horne and I call the spirit of revolutionary love. So if there are folks out there that are watching and listening and want to really engage with, um, with, with other women that are talking about African feminism, you can find us on Twitter using the hashtag AfriFem, A-F-R-I-F-E-M. Um so I just wanted to use the opportunity to plug that because many, you know, young women that might not necessarily be published um in the places where you can sort of access you know some of the mm. readings and writings you were talking about are engaged in talking on Twitter. So yeah, please do join our conversations there. But I want to take it to um you know some you know a space that I personally love. I always say it's Such a pleasure, no pun intended, visiting your blog, (laughs) Um, (laughs) your blog, Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Women. And if anyone out there hasn't visited the blog, I demand that you do it right this minute so you can follow our conversation (laughs) and know what we're talking about. Um, But tell me a little bit about the blog. How did
0: you start it and why? So I'll answer the why first. Mm -hmm. I started it because I felt there wasn't a space where African women could go and have open and frank and non-judgmental conversations around sex and anything to do with sexuality. Mm -hmm. And a number of factors came together, which led to me starting the blog. Mm -hmm. So I went on a getaway, I love getaways, with a group of (laughs) Girlfriends. And we just ended up having the most open, frank conversations I have ever at the time had around Mm -hmm. sex. And it was all like, we have the same fantasies, we have the same be sort of done. oh my God, he did this, oh, what happened, oh. You know, and it was very sort of open and sweet flow and non-judgmental. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, none of us are freaks. We are all very normal. And I mm-hmm. thought, well, there must be other people like us then. Okay, so that was one of the factors. Mm-hmm. And I came back and I spoke to a woman I call my best friend for freaking life. <laughs> so, we call ourselves BFFSL, <laughs> we've known each other since 1994, we went to college together. <laughs> and, you know, like, what we used to do, this was part of our friendship, this is how we had maintained friendship, even though she lived in the States, I'd been in London, Her kind of Mexican I was, every so often, we used to write ourselves these really long, detailed emails, and even before emails, letters, about what was going on in our personal relationships, right? So we almost used to write our adventures to each other. So I came back and I'm like, Malaika, guess what? I went on this trip and we talked about sex and we talked about this and we talked about that. And, you know, I think we should start a blog and we should talk about sex. And she was like, really? I've been thinking the same thing. But I've been thinking, let's write a book. I want to write a book called Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Women. Mm-hmm. And so before that, I'd been saying to her, you know, all these letters we've been doing, we need to turn them into books. And I said, Malaika, if we say we're going to write a book, we're never going to write a book. Let's do the blog. <coughs> and then later on, we can turn the blog into a book. Yeah. So that was the second factor. And the third was, I started blogging for AWD, And I started going to blogging Ghana meetings. And there was a guy there called Manaya Asiadu, the founder of blogging Ghana called Kaiser House. Like du, and they both said to me, why don't you start a blog of your own? And I was like, I've got nothing to blog about. What am I going to blog about? Mm-hmm. You know? So I had the trip, I come had a conversation with Malaika and said, let's start a blog, but in the background had been the fact that somebody had said to me, why don't you start a blog? And I just right thought, yeah, I'm going to start a blog, and this is what I'm going to talk about. So that is basically how Adventures came to be.
1: So how long yeah. has Adventures been around now? Four
0: years. Four, Four years. years. Yes. Wow. Wow. Four
1: years, I think. Yeah. So yeah, it's flown by. It it has. It has. And recently... You won an award, um, Best Activist Blog in Ghana. Um, you know, and I think that you've also inspired many other blogs that have slowly been popping up. There's um, Hola Africa and, and other blogs being led by young African women talking about sex. How does all of this make you feel? How, does, how has this
0: adventure changed you? Okay, so can I just sort of toot my own horn and say not only did I win, or not only did adventures went best, activist blog, we also won the best overall blog, wow. so we won two blogs, yes, two blog awards, a Ghana's first social media Awards, which was extremely exciting, and for me, just really kind of powerful, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, especially the best activist blog, because I guess my concern had been, I hope people won't think I'm just writing about sex just to, you know, give people nice feelings in their regions below. <laughs> You know, even though, of course, you know, of I course. like to. Well, no, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so for me, that really, I was like, wow, people get that it's activism. And mm-hmm. enough people are getting that it's activism that they voted for the blog to win Best Activist Blog. So that really mm-hmm. touched me. And of course, winning Best Overall Blog was like the icing on top of the cake. Mm-hmm. In many ways, one is the fact that it a to me that if you really want to do something, don't let yourself be stopped by the fear of what will people say. Yeah. You know, because I think if I had sat down and spent ages and ages thinking about, oh, my God, I want to write about sex or what people say, should I write anonymously? I don't think the blog would have had the same effect it has had if I wrote anonymously. Right. Um, choosing to write openly under my own name, Choosing to do interviews and associate myself with a blog was a conscious political choice. Mm -hmm. It was my choice to say there is nothing shameful about sex, Um, women have the right to pleasure, and we have the right to have conversations about sex and sexuality. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And for me, that was a conscious political choice to make. So it has changed my life in the sense that what I've had in response has been a lot of affirmation and a lot of, I am so glad that the space like adventures because I've Very never had a chance country. to have conversations with people. That's somewhere I can go to and ask a question and chat to other people. And like, yeah, it's been really positive. It's a really, It's been a really positive experience. Yeah. Well, and you know, I don't know if Block, like, Twilight Africa started because they were inspired by adventures. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I have no idea, so I can't take credit for that unless they told you that.
1: Well, I, I assume so. I, I That was my assumption. So maybe, maybe not. <laughs> okay. But um, one of the questions that actually has come through via Facebook is, um, you know, something that we all think about when we're, you know, putting our personal stories, our personal business on this, you know, this ethosphere, the interwebs, as you call it. So the question is, how does your family feel about you blogging
0: about sex in such a public way? Well, my dad is, I think, a little bit embarrassed, to put it mildly. He keeps saying, if I'm going on a TV program, I'm like, Daddy, I'll be on TV at age." You know, he's like, are you talking about sex? I'm not going to watch. I don't <laughs> want to know about your sex life. Course, completely understandable, I think. You know, and mm-hmm. frankly, I don't really want him to know about my sex life either. So my dad generally doesn't watch any TVs. And if I, I've written an article, my parents are very, super supportive. You know, they're like my biggest fans in the, in the sense that everything I do, they support. But when it comes to anything sex, We edit it. If my mom and dad are lying down and I'm on the radio talking about sex, my dad would tune out like literally, (laughs) you know. But my mom, I mean, she's she's, she reads like articles I publish around sex. When I first started blogging, really in the very early days when I had maybe like five posts up, I showed her the blog and she was like, "Oh my God, this is pornography, Mm intercourse, you know." And then mm-hmm. since then, she hasn't read it. And then a while ago, she was like, "So, what's the address of your blog again?" I'm like, "Mom, actually, nah, I don't think I want you to go there. I don't think I want you going <laughs> you know, there." But,
1: um, but they must yes. be
0: quite is... If- they are. They are. Yeah, mm-hmm. they are. Like my mom watches my TV interviews and listens to my radio interviews. Um, she just hasn't gone to the blog. Yet. Right. Right.
1: Yes. Well. Another question that actually kind of ties into this um, and is actually coming over Twitter is, what would you say is the most controversial post um, that you've seen on adventures and and, you know, what is the most controversial post that you've seen and how, you know, if it's a subject matter that has been particularly difficult, how have you dealt with that?
0: Okay, so this is not probably controversial, but probably the most difficult subject matter has mm-hmm. been that of sexual assault, mm-hmm. especially sexual assault of minors. Mm-hmm. A lot of young African women have been molested, mm-hmm. not just once, not just twice, multiple times mm-hmm. by people close to the family, by family friends, by relatives. Mm-hmm. And that's been the most difficult subject to deal with. Mm-hmm. The most difficult subject because I really don't know what else to do once we've shared and talked about it on the blog, mm-hmm. because I cannot offer counseling. I'm not a professionally trained counselor, even though Mm -hmm. I am a professional coach, I've done um, performance coaching and study performance coaching, but I do not have the tools to help people deal with their emotional fallout from Mm -hmm. having been sexually abused, Mm -hmm. and I remember one of our very first posts around sexual abuse was written by a guest contributor called Ekuba. And she wrote a post and sent it to me by email, which, by the way, is the way to get posts on adventures. Just send an email to adventuresfrom.gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And she was like, Nana, I didn't know this is suitable, you know. And I read it, and I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, Akuba, trust me. So many people will empathize with you, including mm-hmm. myself. And she was shocked, mm-hmm. you know, because she thought, mm-hmm. I mean, come on, Nana has never been you know, abused before. Mm-hmm. And she put the post up, and within days, she probably had like 50 comments and like, women were just like, yep, I've been abused, I was abused twice, I was abused by my uncle, by my family friend, by the driver. Um, and it's been one of the subjects that has come up several times. Mm-hmm. About a month and a half ago, we held a talk party in, in Ghana, which was the very first time, one of the first times where we've really taken adventures offline, where we had a panel conversation, and mm-hmm. the panelists all read different contributions from adventures or their own personal stories, and it was all around sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. And for me, the difficulty is really, what do I, as somebody curating the site, do? What's my responsibility? I would like to Mm -hmm. offer help. I would like to have, for example, a a professional psychologist Mm -hmm. or a sex therapist or a counselor who Mm -hmm. is actually blogging on adventures on a regular basis, offering women some coping mechanisms to move on. You know, I'd like some counselors to volunteer their free time to give one-to-one sessions to people who Mm -hmm. have been survivors of abuse and need somebody to speak to. Um, and I haven't found anybody like that. You know, I have actually right. tried. I think that I you haven't. bring so up a really difficult thing to deal with.
1: I think that you bring up a really, really important Point. And it's something that, you know, you and I have talked about, and even more broadly, you know, as African feminists engaging in social media, we've talked about kind of very loosely, but the limits of our online engagement and then how we take that offline and make it relevant yeah. to our needs in the quote-unquote real world. And I think that, you know, there's lots of gaps yeah. that we need to be thinking about how we fill. Um And I think that this also, you know, I feel like, because there are so many different organizations working on the continent as well, I feel like it's our responsibility to also push these organizations and to show, um, you know, these are some of the stories that are coming out so that they can also open up their own programming, you know, working on, you know, different different kinds of yeah. issues. I think it's where we bring online engagement and discussion with offline programs and work that's being done on the ground. I think that's a very, very important link that we need to make and make more strongly, particularly on the continent. So I think that's a hugely important point. Um, Absolutely. Now... You know, I'm not even sure how to shift gear because I want to try and address all of the many different things that you do. And it was exciting me because I know that you're also a farmer. I know that you also run Maxi. Um and have done, you know, you do a lot of work with AWDF. But I want to give you the a little bit of an opportunity to plug Maxi because it is one of my favorites. <laughs> um and as uh-huh. I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we would be talking about you know, everything from feminism to fashion to, you know, music, whatever. So I would really like you to tell us about Maxi. You've described it as the as sort of an African H&M. Um, but for me, I know that I, I love the jewelry that your mom makes and I love the clothes that your sister designs. But well, tell us more about Maxi.
0: So Maxi is an African fashion label. And when I say African fashion label, I mean a label that uses fabrics from not just Ghana, but across the continent. Really, Wherever we get really nice African fashion and African fabric, we incorporate into our clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just over about three and a half years old. My sister and I started it. My sister, Afnasa Chiyama, is a head of creative concept, so she's responsible for our designs. I'm the head of business development, so I'm really responsible for moving the business forward and dealing with publicity and media and communication. Mm-hmm. And we think of ourselves as if you want to compare us to a global brand, we think of ourselves more as an African HM. Because our idea is if you come in with, say, $20, you should be able to walk out with something. Mm-hmm. If you want to splurge and get an outfit for an evening event, you should be able to, you know get something for $100, for example. Right. Um, and, and really, our goal is be, to be able to provide anything for the customer, you know, mm-hmm. from what you wear on the top of your head to what you have on the soles of your feet. And here mm-hmm. yes, as part of that, we stock my mom's jewelry. My mom does the jewelry, and we also stock her stuff. We also do accessories. We've done bags. We've done bangles with fabric. Um, we use print, we use plain fabrics, we use, at the moment we are exploring the use of leatherette. We've got some leatherette in our current collection. We've got net, we're using satin. So we like to experiment and bank up our look. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, we might have a collection this time which is completely different from what we had in the previous collection. And I think we're always growing as a business and learning and, yeah, just really trying very hard to take it to the next level.
1: So, also, no, you know,
0: I immediately have I immediately have a series
1: of follow up questions, and I'm just going to put them out there so you have oh, a boy. chance to kind of go for all of them at once. One is, <laughs> okay, uh, you no, know, I want to know about your sizing as well because you know, for me, I'm very concerned. Do we have clothes that will fit, you know, my my very voluptuous type African woman body? Like, do you does maxi? What is the range of sizes um available? At Maxi, The other question is, you know, I'm, I'm based in Lagos. I'm living in Lagos, and I want to order Maxi. How do I do that? You know, are you thinking about shipping across the continent? Um, and if so, please share details with us. So I'll leave those two questions and come back if
0: there's more. Okay. No, those are great questions.
1: So, I think we
0: might have lost Nana for a right, second. So my sister and I, we're not like, say that again.
1: Okay, I think we lost you for a second, but you're back with us now.
0: Right, okay. And my sister and I, we're both quite <laughs> generous women in terms of our own figures. <laughs> you know, so we do, <laughs> we do provide our clothes and sizes that women of all shapes and sizes can wear. Mm-hmm. Also... You can actually buy Maxi via online retailers like Ugora okay. which is com. They stock Maxi and they ship internationally. Also people order from us and we send it to them. So for example a few days ago a woman from Cameroon bought an item, she paid with Western Union, mm-hmm. and we sent it to her via DHL. The mm-hmm. Obviously, the, the expense, additional expense that people have to bear is the cost of postage and packaging abroad. Right. We do trunk shows in other countries. We've done trunk shows in London, which Amina, you helped us at. You, for example, you had a pop-up for Maxi and Jamaica. We're open to those kind of collaborations with people. We've had events in South Africa. We've had events in New York. Um, you know, I'm one of those, like I'm, I'm like a sort of stereotypical African woman, businesswoman. Whenever I go to a conference, I've got clothes in my suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so if you see me anywhere, you want to, <laughs> Maxi, just ask, and I'll whip it out. Um, yes, and we're working on expanding our presence in Accra. So in Accra, for example, not only are we stuck at Winglo in East gone, but now, from the end of May, we're going to be stuck at Prestige Boutique in Osu and Aya Morrison in Jowulu. So we're really looking at how we expand. And my goal, my big dream for Maxi, it's that you would be able to find us in each region of the continent.
1: Right, right. Well, That's,
0: that's my for Maxi. That's yes. very
1: exciting. And I really had to plug it on here because, you know, as I said, I'm a big Maxi fad and supporter. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I just thought everyone who always asks me, where did you get that dress or where did you get that really beautiful fascinator or the earrings, you've heard it here first. You can, you can hear for yourself, you know, the voice and the, the um, energy behind Ask Maxi. Now we don't have very much time, but I also wanted to get to something that you and I have talked about a lot, Um, and we both share a love of music. We, you know, are constantly sharing playlists and you know recommendations for different artists, which we did right at the beginning. One of the things that um, has really excited me, um, looking at the work that you do with the African Women's Development Fund, is the fact that you have a a first ambassador for the arts, um, who is Neka, a Nigerian artist, um, who some of you may know, some of you um, might not. And if you don't, please do look her up. Her music is really, really great. Um, but tell me a little bit about the collaboration with Neka, um, AWDF, why it matters to be engaging with African women musicians with the work that you do around grant-making, philanthropy, um, supporting you know, African women in different
0: ways. So at the beginning of last year, in 2012, AWDF introduced art, culture, and sports as a new thematic area. Mm -hmm. But even though it was a new thematic area, we'd actually been doing work and funding work around the arts through a project we've had called the Popular Culture Project since 2008. Mm -hmm. One of the things we had recognized was that a lot of women's rights organizations across the continent had already caught into the power that the arts hold, to change attitudes around gender in a way that policies don't, legislation you know, doesn't, the arts, mm-hmm. music, film, mm-hmm. have the ability to connect and touch people, I think, mm-hmm. in ways mm-hmm. that you know, mm-hmm. may other tools may not do as effectively. And so we decided to do this as a really sort of conscious part of our work and to be able to dedicate a lot more resources in terms of staff, in terms of our grant making and capacity building to the art culture and sports. And we thought, you know, one of the ways we can do this and learn quickly is to really work with people who have been doing great work with the arts mm-hmm. and, and the, themselves and who they are and their art and their use of the art mm-hmm. use their, their, their work as a tool for social change. And I think Nekka is one of those artists who does that really perfectly. Her Mm -hmm. music is beautiful. She sounds good. And she thinks about issues that, I think, affect African women. Mm -hmm. And generally, African people, she thinks about the environment. She thinks about corruption. She She thinks about the need for us to change. And, you know, I felt like, really, we couldn't have a perfect ambassador. And when we approached her, she... Really wanted to work with African women as well, so it was just a perfect collaboration. And yes, that's how we started working with Mecca.
1: Well, I think that I mean I love I love that idea. And as you know, I'm always the one. I think you are the you you guys are the ones that always call me the pop culture feminist because I'm always the ones you know saying how are we engage <laughs> with more African women musicians. And you know, just to share, I had this conversation with yes. a Namibian artist last night um, here in Amsterdam. Her name is Shishani. Um, and she's, you know, very, very interested in getting engaged, particularly with more work around human rights, social justice. You know, her work, I think, is is speaks in a similar way to NECA, speaks to the issue. So, you know, I think that we really need to support these mm-hmm. artists that are looking for engagement with the work that our different organizations are doing. So I'm putting it out there. I think we need to do more um, collaborations and, and, and connections like this. So. One of the things that I'm interested, though, in um, is what is the nature of of, um, NECA's role as ambassador? What, you know, so she talks about AWDF and promotes the work, but what, you know, what does that engagement look like on a more practical level?
0: The engagement is really, really broad. Like, literally, NECA has said to us, I want to work, and I want to work Mm -hmm. with my hands. NECA is a very practical person. Mm -hmm. You know, so... She's been to Ghana and gone with us to visit our grantees, so she herself can get an understanding of the Mm -hmm. issues that we're dealing with here. And Mm -hmm. I think one of the important roles of an ambassador is to be able to speak to the issues, because as an ambassador and as a musician and an internationally acclaimed musician, you get access into spaces that other people won't get access to. So Mm -hmm. that's part of what she she does. Mm -hmm. Um, She's been to Ghana and run a workshop for women musicians or young women musicians, people looking to be in their Mm arts and looking to become musicians themselves that can make a difference in the world. So she's actually shared her own experience with others. And Mm -hmm. she literally is, you know, as long as she can create space in her schedule, she'll come and do whatever A.W.D.F. asked her to do. I mean, when she came for one of our meetings with us, she'd come here straight from tour and had not had a day off in a year. So her dedication is just there.
1: Right, right, right. Well, I think that sounds amazing, and as always, if people want to know more about the work of the African Women's Development Fund, you can visit the website, and there's also information about um, you know, the work that Nick is doing with the African Women's Development Fund, and more broadly about the grants that you give out to different organizations, the ways that you've been supporting capacity building, knowledge production, learning. You know, so many different amazing things. There's too much to cover in a short show like this. Um, but I would encourage people to definitely visit the website, awdf.org. That's correct, right, Nana? Yes.
0: That's completely correct, yes. Right, right. So And no, also for those who are interested in African feminism, can we tell them the African Feminist website? Yes, Www.africanfeminist.net or dot or .com. Yes. Okay, great. So www.africanfeminist.net.
1: Great. So before we wrap up, I have one last question that I'd like to ask you. And, it's you know, we've talked about you as an activist, as a blogger, you know, your work with a fashion, you know, your fashion business. Um, if you could look back at your journey now, would you do anything differently and what would that
0: I don't really feel I'll do anything differently, but I think that's just because one of my life motives is not to regret anything. Mm -hmm. So I feel like everything I've been through, everything I've done, has served a purpose. So, for example, before Maxi, I've had two businesses that I would say in the long run failed, Mm -hmm. but that's helped me to run Maxi better because I Mm have those experiences.
1: Mm -hmm. So I feel like
0: every experience I've had in life, and probably for everybody else as well, it's relevant to your life. The important thing is to look at the lesson from it. The important thing is not to get down about it and just to think, okay, what can I learn from the situation and what do I need to do differently next time? And that's just my attitude to whatever happens to me in life. What are you going to learn? I love it. I love it.
1: Thank you. So before we um, wrap up this week's show, I just wanted to really, really, really thank Nana for joining us. Um as I said, you know, she blows my mind with all the amazing things that she does and I really hope that you follow up, you know, all the viewers and listeners that are watching the show, that you follow up with all of the different links and resources that Nana has shared with us on the show, everything from how to engage with African feminists, you know, online, how to engage with Um, The work of the African Women's Development Fund And Maxi If you're a fashionista like me Do check out Maxi And and cop yourself some new clothes (laughs) I'll plug that again Um, And just to say I'm really looking forward to the show next week I will be speaking to Lanisa George from Antigua So we've had three African feminists Join the show And next week we'll be switching gears And moving to the Caribbean We'll be talking to Lanisa George Who is a Guyanese born poet um, who has just recently launched a um, has just recently launched her own online magazine BGR Mag for Black Girl in the Ring, and we'll also be shooting a new a short feature documentary about that um, as well. So please do look out for that. As always, if you've been tweeting um, using the hashtag young women speak Out, I can't wait to catch up on your tweets and see what what has come up. Um, and if not, we will, the show will be available for you to watch for the rest of the day, and then after that it will be available on the Sylvia Global website. Um, for those of you that missed um, any of the links, I will be posting those in the Facebook group. All of the things that we talked about today, the resources will be made available there. Thank you so much to the Sylvia Global Media Network for encouraging us to um, have this program and um, for allowing me to host it live via their website. Thank you, everyone, and I look forward to talking to you all next week. Thank you very much. Okay, round two. Name
0: something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club.
1: Computer solitaire, huh?
0: Ah, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full requisitioned by law, 18 plus conditions apply, see website for details.